Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Flow Forward, uh, the podcast about game design and amateurism. And especially with that big uh that I just had, you can definitely tell this is about amateurism. Anyway, uh, I'm Fred. <laughs> I'm still your ostensible host, uh, very ostensible. And with me tonight, I have Caress.org, or Car. Hi. I also have Catrice. And uh, Mr. Jonathan. Hello. And Sir Mark. Hello. And uh, last but kind of least, Rob. Hey, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. How you doing tonight? Where it is you are. What? It's Ooh. always nighttime. It, yeah, it's always oh, nighttime when you're listening to this. Yes. It's jazzy and smoky in here. Noirish. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it just smells like cigar smoke, bourbon, and uh, okay. pit sweat. Oh, a tit sweat. Okay. You know, yeah. tit sweat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so remember, listeners, get yourself into that exact point. So pour yourself a glass of bourbon, light up a big cigar, um, preferably a cheap one, and uh, manufacture some tit sweat. I don't know how you do that, but uh, you know, friction, baby. It. If you don't have any tits on hand, I think you can buy some at the grocery store. God. But, <laughs> segueing very badly, um, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, how to teach role-playing and advising <laughs> players. Does that mean it's milk? Uh, yeah, why not? Sure. Sorry. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, but first, we have to define some terms, because, um, well, we're all kind of semantic people or not well okay not all of us some of us are i won't tell you who uh, you some of their names start with c uh but anyway i you know for the good of a discussion i figure we should define some terms so the first term we have to define and i know this is going to sound a little weird but we have to define what role playing is so what the hell I is role playing okay car i got one role playing is Experiencing emergent fictional events imagined collectively, guided by sophisticated constraints, i.e. rules. Okay. Uh, my mm. first problem is sophisticated constraints. Because... Even in the most rules-like game, they're still sophisticated. Whoa. Yeah, really? The thing is, you just started raining here. You... You can actually remove the game and the rules entirely and just have open role-playing. It's not a role-playing game at that point, but it's still role-playing. Yeah. So, so instead of just the rules delving required. into that, if someone has something way different, uh, why don't they go for it? Or if they have something just to add minorly to it. I think it's basically fine just remove the uh, little requirement on the end because... Like that would be a requirement for role playing games, but just role playing well, for is an issue. For our purposes, do we want to include like bedroom role playing and <laughs> improv theater? Yes. I don't right. really think that's. I mean, within I mean, our sphere. I, I want to include like open role playing, like if you're just you know role playing without a system, right? I think that would be relevant to the rest of our discussions to some degree. Well, even improv theater games have rules. That's 
part of what still makes them games. I, yeah, but they're not. I think my I think my problem is sophisticated. I, I can understand the constraints, but putting sophisticated in there, I think, is a little strange. Uh, if you said constraints, I'd be fine. Yeah, I don't um, think there's much sophisticated behind like no god moding. Um, That's like that, but I think I think overall this definition is pretty solid. Can you hit us with it one more time, and then maybe leave we'll... out the constraints part? Let's see if we all like it better. <laughs> Experiencing uh, emergent fictional events, imagine collectively with constraints. That actually kind of works without sophisticated. Was... Yeah, yeah, there has to be some kind of constraint. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay, that... I'm not going to go through it a third time. For the people at home, real quick, it's experiencing emergent fictional events imagined collectively, guided by constraints. That's it. There um, we go. I like it. The, they could have like pressed the rewind button. These <laughs> lazy people. It's like two seconds out of your life, and we had to actually. You're using up more again. than two seconds right now. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel justified at this moment. <laughs> uh, okay, so right, I'm going to chastise our one listener. <laughs> hey, we have like eight. <laughs> no, that's like the same person got bored and turned it off and turned it back on like eight times in a row. But they're they're never listening at the same time, so she's chastising the listener at any given moment. <laughs> sure, fine. Um, but okay, the next thing we have to define is players. And specifically, as that relates to um, the d difference or non-difference between GM and those who occupy the role of PC. Um, the reason that I, I say this is because I would think my definition would just be the people who are around the table who are role-playing. Um, yeah, I would agree. I'd say it's participants to the role-playing. Yeah, I would say I would go with participants as well. Because I'm just saying they don't necessarily have to be around a table. We're not at this moment. I, I would yeah. also include that they have to interact with both the game and the other players. Because okay. like if you're not interacting with anyone, then you're not really playing the game in any meaningful way. Like you're playing a single player game at that point. You could still be role playing. In there is game. a, yeah. There are single-player role-playing games, as yeah, strange as it sounds. Yeah, they yeah they do exist. I'm not sure that they. She she also did mention engaging with the rules, so I don't yeah, think you, she. You do like, have to actually have a two-way interaction with the rules as well. Like the rules affect your decisions, your divisions affect the outcome of the game. So that's also important. Mm -hmm. But I I agree not with for the, the. I agree with the participants word because i've started using it kind of as a royal form of players that includes uh, the other meta roles such as gm mm. Mm -hmm. yeah that was my my why i felt we needed to find this because often when people say players they mean those people who are playing the pcs and not the gm role or other meta roles with around the at, at the table or at the game um, and since you brought it up, Fred, now are we going to define PC? Um, PC is player character. It's the uh, character that a player, character or characters that a 
the a player assumes the role of. And GM control of. I would also state because sometimes you get characters that they might assume the role of, but they do not control. Um. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure how to parse that in this immediate scope. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So okay. So players are participants in the role playing who are interacting with the rules and most likely with the other participants. Does that seem reasonable? Yep. Seems okay. good. Cool. Um, and then next we have to talk about rules versus guidance. Um, so this we're really defining two things, but we're defining them as they are opposed to each other. So uh, I come to this sort of with an idea of what I think the definition should be in that rules are concrete things. They are, you know, when you do X, you have to roll 2d6 um, and then check it on a chart or something. Uh, guidance is you should do this, or it is a good idea to do X. Um, and, and we have both in a role-playing game, especially when we're talking about teaching people how to role-play. A lot of that is presented not as rules, but as guidance, you know, as advice. Mm. Rules are mechanical guidance is generally aesthetic. Yeah, I would buy that. Sort of, because um, I'm, I'm approaching this from sort of an engineering uh, frame of mind where uh, the translation is sort of constraints and criteria. So constraints are things that are very fixed, defined, uh, absolute, like you need to do this. And criteria are sort of the uh, loose uh, uh, instructions that if you are able to do more of this, you will have a better experience. Does that sound yeah. fair to translate? That sounds reasonable. The difficulty with that is just that you also have the issue of, you know, rules being like having optional rules, for example, or rules which sometimes you're not always going to follow them. I think um, those cases are all true, but they all act as rules when we choose to use them as rules. So optional rules are just as or rules as rules. normal rules if we choose to use them. So. There's no need to differentiate them. Then it's like, well, then what is guidance if guidance acts as a rule when you use it? That's that doesn't act. It's and it's basically everything that doesn't act as is like a mechanical rule. So if you were reading a book and it says like you should try and establish some goals for your character and then follow those goals, but it doesn't say you have to establish three goals for your character. And then when you follow those goals, you get X experience or plus two on your next roll or something. Hmm. If that makes sense. So just to clarify, if we have something in the book that says, like, you should establish three or so goals for your character, does that count as a rule? No, that's I guidance. I think that would be guidance. Yeah. I just wanted to be sure on that. If it's, yeah, if it's. A mandate makes it a rule. Yeah. And even if, like, that's something that players don't have to follow, since we're looking at it from the designer's perspective, we have to just go, this is a rule. 
Um, because then with how role playing games are, we could say, oh, none of this is really a rule because they don't have to do it, but we assume that they're going to. Right. I think yeah. guidance lends it lends itself more to to tailoring the experience rather than um, you know, hacking a rule set or so or, or or defining what's going on. But it is it's it's guidance that puts the players in a certain mindset or a certain um well, aesthetic space, I think. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Sorry, we just we're having a I'm in the middle of a thunderstorm in Los Angeles. This is crazy. <laughs> It's the first time it's rained there in 37 years. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I just had two massive lightning strikes overhead. Nice. That's the way to be. I would also say that guidance lends itself more towards subjective content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. certainly. Um, okay, all right. So rules are mandates they are mechanical things that it is assumed players must do um guidance is things that are non-mandated but suggested it's things we think players should do to get the experience that we want do those sound like reasonable definitions yep yep Yep. okay fantastic and then the last one we're going to talk about what teaching is but especially from the binder's perspective. So from the perspective of the person who is writing the book and creating the rules, rather than from the like the GM's perspective, the person who is sitting talking to the players. And I don't have a particularly good definition of what this is. So if someone else wants Rob to does. It does have to be like transmission of an idea from the designer to the people that are reading what was written. Like, regardless of how it's carried through, whether it's, like, through pictures or text or whatever, you have to get the idea that the designer came up with into the heads of other people. Okay. Uh, Fred, pose the question one more time, please. Uh, The question is, what is teaching, specifically from the designer's perspective? You know, as it not the... GM's perspective. So from the, you know, the far away, uh, the person who's writing the book rather than the person who is sitting and teaching the system or teaching how to role play specifically to people sitting there. Hmm. Hang on. Not from the designer's perspective. From the designer's from perspective. From the designer's perspective. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, was, I was trying to parse that. Okay, from the designer's perspective, what is teaching? Okay, for me, I think teaching as a designer is partially setting up the incentives in your game such that if the players are playing it properly, they're role-playing the way you intend. I think that's part of teaching your game. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and that's, I think that's pretty much how Kat said it too. It's getting, Mm -hmm. getting the picture and the the players to play the picture in your head or. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, for me, it's it's putting it's putting the trail of breadcrumbs down. It's like the it's the act of actually leading people to the the points you want to hit. For me, is is teaching the game. It's I think I think it's really hard to um I I, I have a tough time conceptualizing what it would be otherwise. Right. So you could say it's sort of like conveying the desired set of behaviors to mm-hmm. the players of the game. Yeah. 
conveying the desired set of behaviors. That, yeah, that works. It, how, yeah, because however you do it, either by putting down like mechanical incentive, although you can do that for the players, it's really hard to do that for GMs. Um, can you do that for GMs? I don't know about it right. being like a desired hmm. set is all, because it's like, if there's more than one set of options, like in Rob's game, like well, there's a scope yeah, yeah it because there's multiple different paths they can go down like saying a desired one from the designer's perspective doesn't really work in that particular case right like, and that's why really think... in a lot of cases but not all of them right and that's why i think desired set is the right way of looking at it because you could sort of create a space of this is the type of behavior that i think is applicable and it doesn't necessarily need to be like one uh type of behavior it's like a space of them or at least what seems relevant to the game yeah along with behaviors there's ideas and processes to convey yeah yeah i buy that yeah yeah it's teaching teaching both desired behavior in conjunction with the ideas and processes or incentivizing 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 or conveying what those should be i think that that is makes sense um okay so all right to sum all that mess up uh teaching from the designer's perspective is um incentivizing or conveying the desired set of experiences and themes and emotions that you think the game should operate under that you want the game to operate under. I like the incentivizing part because sometimes you don't actually tell them outright you just put the thing in the place that makes them do it and you basically train them by here's a cookie every time you do the good thing yeah and that's that's often a um a good way to to do it um and that's hopefully the elegant way as a designer is the incentivizing but sometimes you need to go hey motherfuckers this is i'm incentivizing it but also i'm going to tell you this is the thing that needs to happen yeah we have pavlov's players (laughs) (laughs) oh wait i forgot one thing to add to the definition of players is that they are intelligent because they have to be. Um. <laughs> I take offense to that. <laughs> yeah, my whole gaming group takes offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, intelligent not in the um, meaning of necessarily smart, but intelligent of the can respond to stimuli in a reasonable way. Um, and you know, knows someone knows how to play their role. Yeah, same. Still, I mean, still, still take offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's better, but still not. Yeah, <laughs> accurate, but sure, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so you guys hate all your players. Fine. <laughs> no, I don't. No, we don't point. hate them. We just don't assume they're intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so See, this is why I did this before the show so that we could safely disregard that as a viable option. 
Here you are, we trying have... to spite me, and it turns out you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have to assume that they are intelligent actors, because if they're not intelligent actors, then it's just chaos. Then you have no we can ability to teach. For the purposes... We can assume that for the purposes of this discussion, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in general. Um, but <laughs> we can stop harping on this, because I'm totally right, and you guys are wrong. Uh, but... I will consider intelligent as in they can be trained like a dog. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, just the things you say, Kat, they really tell us a lot about <laughs> who you hang out with. <laughs> but anyway, um, so our first question, and probably one of the more important ones that we're going to talk about tonight, is what do players need to know? So what are the things that, when, when you sit down to play a role-playing game, what are the things that players need to role-play? Um, so probably, most likely, you're going to need some sort of role um, or you know, some way to figure that out. And you're going to need something to play at. Um, so you're going to need a goal to accomplish, even if it's vague, and some way in which to accomplish that goal. I think before that, you have to get, you have to, the players need to know what is role playing and what are the role, what are, what are the purposes of the meta roles? Like <clears throat> of all the different participants, what they're doing. And surprisingly, a lot of role playing games just flat out fail at explaining what role-playing is. Okay, so since we've already explained what role-playing is, um, how, what do you think players, what more do you think players need to know before role-playing? <clears throat> What's the full like, monkey here, so to speak? They, they need to have explained to them what they're doing. Not the minutia of when to roll dice and how many, but what is the, you know, the the blanket statement that explains or defines what is happening around the table. Do you so? Do you mean what is happening around the table by? You mean like the conversation that is happening around the table, where you assume these roles and then you respond. You make you know an intelligent response within that role, um, or you front of sorry at the top of your intelligence as that role, and have that you know back and forth and create that emergent narrative. Is that what you mean? I I mean the the existential explanation of what role playing is. Like. We went through and defined it earlier. Most games skip over that and go directly to this is how this game works. Right. I did that, and I also never used the word role-playing in my game. I just realized that as I went through it to figure out how I tackled <laughs> some of these things. Hmm. Interesting. I sort of wondered if it was missing, and then I wondered if it was a role-playing game. And then I thought, from my perspective, uh, for the game that I wanted, that it wasn't missing, and it is a role-playing game. Um, but I, 
yeah, Go sorry. Ahead. Like I think the what you were trying to say when you said I can't remember how you said it, but just explaining, you know, this is what we're doing. Um but I th- I think they kind of need to know the game. Um and like you said, not all the minutiae of it, but that's basically what you're playing. Like when you say we're going to play Monopoly, and if someone doesn't know, you you try to explain how it's a game about buying and selling real estate or whatever, however you want to say it. Like, it's I think that's what you need to know. It's it's before that even. It's like you sit down to a board game. It's like explaining the concept of what a board game is, or explaining what a card game is role-playing games in general don't or do a very poor job of explaining what role-playing is i think a lot of them do that because the designers either are unaware of or are unwilling to acknowledge the story aspect of what is happening like we're, I okay. We're so, so wrapped up in it being a game that we ignore the story part, and that story part is what makes it make sense. So one of my issues with defining role playing, and just even in general in the beginning, um, is that I don't really have an issue with defining role playing, but I think defining role playing in the context of any given game is so vastly different that if you write or sorry, isn't so vastly, but can be vastly different. So if you write your what is role playing in your game and I write it in my game, they end up being two different things and and it doesn't make sense. Uh, it but doesn't necessarily make enough, sense. But they're similar enough that anyone who reads both of them will gain a better sense of the definition than if they just read one. Potentially, but... When when I approach a question, what do players need to know? Like, if I think of one player knowing and the other not, I think of it as a conversation. Like, uh, it, like it usually goes like, "Hey, where do you want to play this role playing game?" Usually, the next question isn't, "Oh, what's a role playing game?" It's, "Oh, what's it about?" Or, and then it's the the what the player needs to know is sort of what's the game um and maybe that's not a very good definition or a good answer but that's that's how i feel actually i want to say that you had a very good point there that between like two players if you have two players one of them knows this information the other doesn't then the one that doesn't have that information can't play the game period because that's what we're asking is what people need to play the game and I think that if we start breaking it down into things that if they don't have this information, they cannot play with somebody who does have that information, that that's what we should be focusing on. Hmm. I don't, yeah, maybe. I think it's a real subjective question. So I, like I kind of give my two cents. I, I'd like to hear other people interpret that question. Hmm. What I was going to say... Um, I thought it was interesting just that um, like the the point about card games and board games 
um, that they don't really take the time to define what a card game or a board game is when you're reading the rules. So what is it about role-playing games that really require a definition before you sit down? And is it because... Right. Is it because it's not as common in our um, like modern whatever media of things that we interact with? Or is it really that there's such a difference in the role playing games that are out there that this definition is important for us to understand what role playing means for the designer? I think it's partly the fact that card games and board games are actually hundreds of years old, if not thousands. Um, Well, board games are definitely over a thousand years old. There have been board games for as long as we've had civilization. Yeah, as long as we've had civilization with the time enough to make a board game, people made board games. Card games came later as soon as we could. (laughs) Cards were a feasible medium for for playing something. Um, Role-playing games were just very young, and so they don't have a public consciousness. You know, there's not many... You have mainstream movies made about card games, for example. the poker movies or, or, or stuff like that made about card games. It's in the public consciousness more. There, there are games, movies made about role-playing games, obviously, but they're not, they're, they, they don't have the same weight as, yeah. as, as card games. Like these are, these are things that are in, intrinsically understood if you've grown up in pretty much any culture and role-playing games are, don't have that, that intrinsic, that important, yeah, that cachet, the, 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 um, it's still rare for a parent on a rainy day to break out an RPG with their kids. Which is a little right. sad because I've seen a couple of parents that actually do do that with their kids. Mm-hmm. And it's really great for teaching their kids, spending family time together. It's, oh, yeah. Concept, but. It's, you know, it's really good. And I think more, I think, you know, there's a wave of like, kid focused rpgs happening and i think that's there's there's a good reason for that i'm just saying it doesn't have that yet there's not like a generation like really raised on rpgs until like maybe even right now yeah like we've run in like a lot of the issue was for the longest time an rpg was first defined as oh it's that thing that nerdy kids do but they didn't know anything else beyond that and then after that, it was that thing that uh, corrupts kids into Satanism. <laughs> and they didn't know anything about it either. Like, if you took, like, a page out of D&D and showed it to them, they wouldn't even know where it was from. Right. And I would, the other thing I would say, the difference between role-playing games and other game mediums is that Role-playing is at least an order of magnitude more cerebrally intense than those. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely... Only depending on how you engage with it. Yeah, it's not just that. It's that it's far more creative than most other forms of media. Like, pretty much every other form of media you can play, even if you're not especially creative. Like, if you do, like, role-playing games, you kind of have to have at least some creativity or at least training how to use what default amount you have Mm -hmm. so is that uh players need to know how to be creative is that a what do players need to know 
not necessarily to how to be creative, but how to make use of their creativity. Well, I, I think when they we, need to know that this is a creative endeavor. They and they also, I think, need to have something from which to take creativity from or something from which to prompt their creativity. Um, that's why I think so many RPGs have such kind of big settings is because then you can go, <clears throat> okay, we have this crazy setting, so I have all this stuff that is here to, to prompt me and to use, to touch, and to, uh, to put into my creativity, to feed into that. Whereas if you have yeah. something that's kind role of... Role-playing game ha- role games have to provide some source of inspiration to the players. Yeah. Yeah, the concept of inspiration might need to be covered as well, actually, now that I'm thinking of it, because, like, there's a general understanding among most people who aren't overly artistic, who, where the belief is you should never, you know, take somebody else's idea. But if you've been in, like, an artistic profession, or you work in like game design or whatever you learn very quickly that there's not really anything that's completely holy and independently developed that has no inspiration from another source like you're basically mixing and matching concepts together you're not taking completely arbitrary new ideas out of thin air that no one has ever seen anything remotely similar to good artist copy great artist steal Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that's that. the quote I couldn't think of. Yeah, but you kind of need to because, like, an artist has to mix things together to get something new out of it. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that everything we make is just a hack? Well, the thing that role playing games do don't do is provide all the necessary pieces. No, uh, I, like most of them usually just provide enough can, scaffolding that you can do something with it. Right. So at, at some point in a role-playing game, a player is taking a concept or an idea and doing something novel with it. That's the missing piece that the game didn't provide on its own. Like, um, Two players or two computers could play a card game. They could play a board game, but they could never play a role-playing game. Right. Hmm. Oh my gosh. All right. So who is just raring to see like two of those um, text AIs or a, a group of those text <laughs> AIs play a role-playing game? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want. Right. At that this would be moment. kind of amazing, actually. <laughs> how 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 quickly would it devolve into just? 4chan's random board like uh, I mean, it's just going to be a bunch of memes and quotes out of the book or it's like, going to be there, really there racist was... like that Microsoft Twitter bot <laughs> which is the... there was, oh, there they was had a, another one there recently was, too there was a company that that told an AI, told an AI to write a book like a novel and it was just complete other random garbage mm-hmm yeah, actually, Amazon just uh, killed their AI project that they were going to use for their hiring process. Because oh, yeah. If the first thing it did was 
immediately throw out absolutely every resume from a woman. And the second thing it did was basically just look for keyword spam, which is pretty similar to how they run it now. Yeah, that's pretty much the job of every tech recruiter. <laughs> yes. Speaking of killing AI, Cav Waters, say hi. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, uh, well, okay. Um, yes, I would. I would honestly, I'd love to see that. Listeners, uh, get on that, please. Do it. <laughs> Make it so. The point is, the AI doesn't have as much I in it as people expect it does. Yeah. Just not, in, not in the traditional way we think of intelligence. Um, um, but Cavoir, since you just got here, what do you think players need to know? Oh, <laughs> define need and before they can start playing. Before they can start role playing. Quick thing that we said it has to be something that if you don't have this information, you can't play the game, basically. Well, or you might play the game not optimally or incorrectly. That's like uh, everything then. <laughs> yeah, no, like nobody plays a role-playing game optimally. But <laughs> God. That's a tell that to the four E D and D players who have who are just implementing character builds that they've pulled off of a forum. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> yes, uh anyway. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh yes. Uh I'm not sure how much you've covered, but uh, essentially they need to hmm, this is a hard question to answer on the spot. Yes it is. Uh, okay, so they need a basic understanding of uh, the fact that their choices matter and this is and this isn't on rails, which uh, I feel like a lot of people would disagree with. But no, I don't no, think I actually very many have people that written down. That's <laughs> I don't have to cover now. Yep. Uh, it, they need a basic understanding, like that. Hey, this is a you, this is deep different from uh, like uh, any other form of media because you're actively participating. They need to. They need to. Understand on top of all that, what they're putting is is it themselves? I mean, you can get attached to it, and whatever, but you know, da da da. And they need to, and basically, they need to know enough about whatever setting you're trying to force them into that that they can under that they can make sensible choices in that world. And I think the rest is all mechanical. I could be totally wrong. I think there's one that more. That was pretty good. Cavoir nailed like two thirds of my written down notes. <laughs> Thanks. So that was really good. Yes, perfect. And he probably didn't know what your notes were that short. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just the ones I've started since we <laughs> we got here. So there's just no way they're that short still. <laughs> but, but the yeah, one no, like I, I probably covered it in less words than she would have. But yeah, that's probably, yes, sorry, cat. What was the one point you wanted? The one point I would add is also players should understand what they're looking to get out of the game. 
because yeah, these games are so wide and versatile that you kind of need to know which game to end up playing. And once you are playing the game, what you want to tell like the GM or the other players what you want to get out of it so they know what to provide for you because it's kind of give and take. You give them some stuff to work off of. Like you play off one another. If you don't all know what each other wants, it actually turns into a mess really fast. Yeah. So from a designer's point of view, like you're talking about what the like giving that to them from a designer's point of view, I put um setting up expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that kind of what you're getting at? Or are we well, going down a yeah, different road? Either setting the expectations that they will have or just flat out telling them because this medium is so versatile, you can actually change the game to suit what you want to get out of it. Like Rob's game is a great example of that where at the very start of the game you pick what your goals and such are. If you don't have that, you're probably not going to enjoy the game all that much, and you may not even find the game to be playable. You need prospects. Hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, when I was talking, when I gave my original definition, you need something to play at. Mm -hmm. You need a a goal, and then, and that is, and uh, expectations is part of that, is the understanding of this is what like we're why, wanting to do. Right. It's like, why would we show up for this? Right. You need that. Yeah. You need that at least. Absolutely. Why am I in yeah, this random guy's basement? The, well, we're talking about non-fictional things that happen to the characters. We're talking about goals and expectations of the players themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's my point. Because, like, if the players don't know what they want to get out of the game, it doesn't matter what their character does. It's probably going to be unsatisfactory most of the time. You might occasionally get some fun out of it, but there's a very good possibility you might actually get into a situation where you just can't think of any way to play the game because you don't know what you're trying to get out of it. Well, but that's not to say that there aren't role-playing games that... claim to be able to meet any kind of expectation and don't yeah even if they do though like the point is that the players first need to know what they want out of a game if they know what they want out of a game then they can at least make an informed decision of which game to play like if you want a comedy game call of cthulhu is probably not your best choice though i've seen it it might be your second best choice though (laughs) it might be (laughs) it might be but it's probably not the first i'm pretty sure there's pulp rules for that so yeah Mm -hmm. it's not bad Um, and or if we're coming from a designer's perspective i think one of the things that's important and we talked about this when talking about rob's game is giving players tools to kind of set those expectations um so mm-hmm. like with rob's game you have the the calling um, yep. which is one of the things that helps set the expectations uh for a published example blades in the dark has yeah. the crew um choice which sets a lot of what are the expectations you know what are we wanting to do um, which is very important for the kind of session zero and the setup of the playing game and yeah that's probably one of the things that 
players need to know. Okay, so I know I'm I'm going back a bit, but I wanna I don't I don't know if I want to refute this, but I wanna bring it back up because I don't think that most a lot of players need to know, in my experience, I don't think most a lot of players need to know what role playing is. If you give them a role and you give them an understanding of the setting and what they're wanting to do, most of them can role play. Maybe not elegantly, but they can understand the basic idea of it and get you find their way there. You do have to say something like it's pretty much like playing pretend but with rules. Yeah. For yeah. so yeah. You, they they have, have to, to have that. that much. That's, they don't have to have a formal definition. No, they don't need a formal definition, but they have to at least know what they're doing. They have to like and that's like I mean Carr put it in much more formal terms, but they need to have that. They that they can't there's no way the game proceeds forward without that. It like it's like pretend, but instead of just saying like bang, you got me. Oh no, you didn't. We're gonna we're we're gonna we're, there's a there's something we do to decide and it's rolling dice most of the time That's and people can, people can grok that people go like oh okay so if I if I yeah, roll that, well enough then I it, good things happen okay got it sure okay like go but yeah the way most games skip past the abstract definition and go right into the minutia of tangible player tasks. Uh-huh. like rolling dice or whatever it it's kind of like skipping that is kind of like assuming someone like shoving someone shoving a knife and a bunch of food at somebody and ex- expecting them to know how to cook um i don't know if it's it's that stark a gap um i didn't think that because what there they are do some parts what, they do need to come what the what the games that skip over the abstract, they kind of use the tangible tasks as a simulation of explaining the abstract. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that actually works to a degree because there's it's it's sort of bootstrapping it up by embodying the idea first. Like you 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 enact the behavior and the players that you want to enact, and then by enacting the behavior, if they if there's enough buy-in, right, then you get eventually they get to an understanding of what they're doing because I mean, what role-playing is, is not something that had to be explained to me when, or was explained to me when I first played a role-playing game I think, and I didn't need it. I like, I eventually I got the picture, but it, I, I know we're, tr- we're talking about like making this efficient, right? Because otherwise why design anything? But I, think one of Kevlar's points, I think he mentioned this, mm. was one that was actually kind of relevant to a more individual aspect of this is basically covering what it is for somebody to actually play a character rather than just being themselves. Like, there is a difference between the character's mindset and your own. And that's something that people don't tend to do in a regular basis. And explicitly stating that, yes, you are going to be playing as someone other than yourself. Just but a lot of games don't. Big deal. A lot of games don't do that. Either 
by omission or by design. And they wind up with people basically playing themselves, which... That's fine. It, it can be okay, but... I, I think there's a, a different style of playing game that falls well within role-playing game that doesn't need that yeah, in-depth how-to-play character. Do, like, some yeah. of them you definitely do need how to do that. Some of them you don't. I'll agree with I that. I mean, but part of what I was getting at, which I don't think there's very many role-playing games that are going to require some of this, but it doesn't have to be as intense as Stark is what I said. But uh, you need to factor in that the environment is one you will never encounter, I guess is part of my point. I don't know how to phrase it better Hopefully. than that. Like, that you do have to account for the situation, I guess. What I'm yeah, I think the, the thing that you that really stood out that you said um, was you have to react accordingly to the setting or something similar to that. Um, yeah. Yeah, you have to react at the top of your intelligence um, based upon your role and the setting you are engaged in. in that was what was that... appropriate for the setting. Engage yeah, with the narrative. Engage, mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, that is something that's really important because if you don't do stuff based on what's normal for the setting, like if it's normal for adventurers to just go out and adventure and slay dragons and shit, I, then I you think know yeah. that. it it was something I would have said explicitly earlier, but the way the question reads, like I don't think you need to know that like if someone said what's the one thing a player should do and i would i would say engage with the narrative as opposed to what do players need to know like i don't think you explicitly need to know that i don't know i don't know if that's splitting hairs well, it's no in i think most cases unless the game is explicitly about learning everything from absolute scratch you're completely new to this world this universe or whatever and you have to learn the absolute basics basically you should know the players need to know what's standard for the game well i think i think the point is actually i'm gonna jump on this because i think um it's important to know that the expectation is to engage with the setting and game in that way but i think it's very different to say you should engage with the game because that's something that you can't design. You can't force yourself to enjoy the experience you're having, but you should know that the intention is that you're going to participate, that you're going to be involved in this game. And that if you're not feeling that, then there's something that's not working for this game and your experience of it. I think it is important to distinguish the two. I think that's actually worth mentioning. Like, flat out, just tell the players that this game is set up to do this kind of a task. If you don't enjoy this kind of a task, there are other games that you might enjoy more and may be better suited to you, your tastes. I think we kind of should, as designers, be willing to admit that our game is not 100% perfect for 100% of the players. And that it's okay yeah. for them to play other games. Yeah. No, only play my game. Only <laughs> other. Uh, but no, I think I think a lot of games, you know, if you have in your in the beginning of your book or beginning of your game document, 
a good faith outline of what your game is, then and and what it entails, then I think you're doing that to a yeah, large extent. Much. Um, if you if you're saying like, here's what this game's about, here's what it does, here's how it does it, here's what it expects of you. Um, it's then implicit. I think you're it's yeah, it's implicit and it's upfront, and they can actually make an informed choice. I think a lot of games don't do that. A lot of games go like, you can do anything. And then strongly incentivize really only one mode of play. Yep. And, you know, yep. but so there's a, there's a piece of, yeah, I think, I think you're right, Kat. I think, I think a lot of designers uh, owe it to, I, not a lot of, all designers owe it to players to tell them honestly what the game's about mm-hmm. and what it's supposed to do. I don't think that's something players need to know necessarily, but I think, I think uh, it's incumbent upon us as designers to at least put that in the book somewhere. No, near the it's, front. it's a very important courtesy to the players. Yes. Or potential it's more players. Courtesy, yes. Honestly, because if you get to the point where you're trying to do something in a game and you find out the game just cannot support it, then maybe you shouldn't have tried to do that. Like, you can get to a point in the game where the game is unplayable. I have actually encountered that in even Anima. Which I really like Anima, but one of the things I tried to do in it was make a mad scientist character. It does not support that at all. Like, I tried. It just does not work. Okay. Well, as designers, we cannot, we can tell players or participants what this game is for, but we can't stop them from trying something else within this game. Well, of course not. Well, but we can... We can give a statement of what this game is intended to do and what mm-hmm. our idea of this game is about. Yeah, like for your game, Car, you would explain that this is something that you can technically do anything in it. There is a rule for anything that you can think of. It may not be the best for doing that particular thing, but you can definitely do it. That's like yes. the very central premise of your game. That should be the central premise of any universal role-playing game. But the one of the things I'm trying to achieve in mine is getting the players to recognize what they want before they try it. So it's not that this game can do anything. It's that this game, you can choose to do anything. And it will work reasonably well no matter what that is i i uh, i don't have a response to that but i think uh, one of the things that's been kind of on the tip of my tongue as we've been going about this and i i think this has been said but i want to go on it again just to make sure because we were talking about it a bit earlier is a statement of what the game is about um, so, for example, recently I've been um, trying to sell people on playing Blades in the Dark. And so I'll say, this game is about being a band or a crew of ruffians in a industrial fantasy city or something similar to that. <clears throat> it has, you know, it has no connotations of really what the mechanics are beyond what you can apply there. But it says, this is what the game wants to be about uh, and that statement is very different from game to game uh, but that understanding but it, goes into, 
but it goes into what I was saying about my game just a minute ago, which was my game isn't explicitly about anything because it's universal. Like it leaves, it makes that a player choice to decide what it's about. And it's conscious about something. It's about choosing. It's conscious of, yeah, it's conscious of putting that choice on the players. Yeah, I've I've noticed. So my game's also generic, and it is a harder sell because there's just harder uh, emotional attachment that you get from you can do whatever you want to you're doing this specific thing, and these are the emotions that come with it. But um, I think the point that um, Rob was making, or sorry, that Fred was making about this was that it's incumbent upon the designer to have um, a scope of what their play experience should be like so that uh, we can give that to the players, that the players can know exactly what range of emotions they should be experiencing, a range of experiences, I guess, the game is intended to provide. Mm -hmm. Which is difficult Mm -hmm. for uh, a generic system. I, yeah, it is difficult for a generic system, but I think the, well, not a generic system really, but certainly a universal system, the, what is the game about kind of becomes not a specific thing. It becomes whatever the players it decided is. Right. And it has to, or else the, if the, if a universal game purports to be about something then it's not about the rest of the universe it's trying to implement right so one interesting point is that i have a section like this in my rule book where i'll talk about what kind of play experience i want the game to provide but i noticed that i do this less when i'm presenting it to players I don't sit down and say, this is what a role-playing experience should be like, and you are taking on the guise of characters within this world that you're creating. Um, I very much jump into the action, and I wonder how much it impacts play in like those one-off sessions if I don't state what the intention of the game is about, or how much I should bring attention to the idea of you're a player, you have a character, which is your agent, to process your will against the world Hmm. well if you're playing for if you're doing it for a group of people at a convention or you who you usually game with i don't think stating that at the start is as necessary but Hmm. yeah there are a lot of environments where a lot of what we're discussing can be skipped just for the sake of expedience right that's important to note yeah yeah. So, but but it is interesting, uh, Mark. It, when I mean, maybe not everyone is completely oblivious to what a role playing game is. But but when you try a different game for the first time, then you do sort of wonder about what is the the way, right? And mm-hmm. and like the the first that was me. Like the first time I played Monster Hearts, where it was just literally thrown into it, uh, as opposed to 
having it expressed about you know what it was about or or however you want to that that first that paragraph or page or whatever um although i mean i knew that monster hearts was a game and it existed and how it was supposed to play but it was interesting being thrown in and i do think that that had some impact uh I can't compare what that impact is to learning the other way, though. <laughs> it wasn't bad, though. Um, okay. I'm not sure one is better than the other. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot of what we've been discussing is aimed at, uh, you know, new players or people who have never played a role-playing game before, mm-hmm. which is really important, but often, especially, you can sort of skip over what is role playing um, and the basics like that to most people who played a role playing game before because they at least but have if you do if you do skip that you assume that the reader is already familiar with what with the subject and i'm not entirely comfortable with that assumption no, I don't think as as designers when we're writing our book that we should ever do that. That that should be the these things that we're talking about of what players need to know. Uh, talking as a designer are should be at the forefront. That's why we're talking. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about just presenting the game, um, you know, as a as a person, you know, as going, hey, do you want to come and play, you know, my role playing game with me? Um, if yeah. they've played a role-playing game before, you don't need to go over those things, but you should have them in the book, even if 90% of the people right. who read it go, exactly. oh, That's I don't just... need to read this, and flip. Right. I'll have it in the book, but I don't make it a point that when a gym should be teaching this game to new players, I don't say, here are the things that you should talk about. I don't say, you want to make sure that all your players understand that you need to, A, uh, have active participation b understand the setting c engage with the narrative like i don't i don't go through that as a teaching mechanism that i want other players to impart to their groups that could have new players so um is there a space that needs to be created for this is how you should teach the game to new players as well and make sure that these are the points that are hit because i know that even me as the designer, I don't bring that to the table when I'm presenting the game. So how can I make sure that someone who is playing game but hasn't read through chapter by chapter gets the gist of what this game is about? I okay. I think question. Uh, okay. If you were running if you were presenting the game to a group of people who were com- wholly unfamiliar with role playing, would you still skip these parts? No. If I was if I was playing my game or cut to the chase with someone, and this is me with that someone, so not someone else, but um, I I wouldn't describe what role playing is. I would just walk through the game. <laughs> um, just rely on the experience being becoming self evident at some point. Yeah. Uh, and I think how, yeah, I think that's how I, I mean, can you, how did you get into it when you were, I mean, how does it explain to you? Like the, the experience just becomes self-evident. I think that's, I mean, the way Jonathan is describing it, like, is that's just, it's how it happened for most of us. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I'm not trying to 
yeah, I, I just feel like it's just how I approach it. And I did write down how I do that, or at least how I did it in Cut to the Chase. And I just, yeah, I just put giving direction, but instead of saying, you know, it's a role-playing game and this is what role-playing is, it's um, in various parts where, you know, you have to take an action. I say things like, uh, narrate the action taken or describe the current situation or um, stuff like that. So that that's sort of how I would present it to the new player. I would say, you know, this is well, a game building of chase on for something, Sorry, on something Rob said about <clears throat> like how were we each brought into it. I think it's safe to assume that we were each brought into role-playing by someone we know. No, that, that's not always okay. Most of us, <laughs> but that's not always the case, and it certainly wasn't in the case when role playing was brand spanking new in the seventies. I mean, I, I will say that the table now? I started on, uh, I think one person had any experience, and they were not the one GMing. I was, and <laughs> <laughs> no one had any experience. I had never played a role playing game before. And I was GMing, and I brought into it. Um, but that's okay. That's I wasn't GMing; I was the storyteller. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Same dicks. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things, though, that just because we've portally in the past historically doesn't mean we can't do a better job of it moving into the future. Like that's certainly true. Mm-hmm. There's and definitely I... room for improvement. Like, yeah. It, what I'm what, what, what I'm suggesting though is sort of worked, but it could be a lot better because like, you know very well that in most of these games, the quality of the GM, in particular, like what they've learned, like all of the little GMing tricks and such, that's going to make a huge impact on how fun the game is, and same thing for the players once they've learned like certain aspects about role playing it's going to be that much more fun for them why are we basically hiding this behind what's it's not a paywall but it's Time an experience wall, wall. yeah like yeah. it's something that most people for their first year or so of role playing they're not going to get nearly as much out of it as they will later on and yeah, there's that, no reason for us the, not to try to speed that up. That, that's part of the additional load of role playing compared to other game formats is that the more you've done it, the better you are at it. Mm-hmm. Like it requires practice in a way that watching TV chess or it requires yeah watching TV or any passive media, but it requires practice in a way that mm, shoots and ladders doesn't but other board games like chess or go do yeah but you did you develop different skills than you do with playing chess i at least i think you do (laughs) you you do but i see where he's coming from in the concept that there are there is a certain amount of understanding of the basics of chess beyond just the basic rules that are kind of required to be able to actually you know get much out of it 
Yeah. Um, one of the things uh, I talked to briefly about selling Blades in the Dark earlier, and the thing I said is basically a really shitty version of the thing that, that the rule book opens with. Because um, Blades in the Dark has a couple paragraphs of what is this? And, you know, a basic, here's what the setting is, and here's the kind of character you'll be playing, and then here's how the basic mechanics work, and that is the the thing that is best to sell it to new players, and it's just kind of thrown there on the first page, um, along with a lot of uh, other Power of the Apocalypse games, which have a, I think it's called What This Is in Monster Hearts, which is the one that pops to head, but I think it's similar in other ones as well which is just an explanation of uh, what is this? You know, why, why do we play it? What are we doing within it? And how do we do that? So what are the basic mechanics? And uh, at, at least for me, that's generally a decent starting point where here's something you can give to new players to give them a basic understanding of what this game is and why they may or may not want to play it. Yeah, so I think with that, um, we're gonna call it for this week. We're this is this is it for this week, listeners. We're gonna keep talking, but you're not gonna hear that for another week after this comes out. So have a good week, have fun, um, follow us on social media, listen to our other listen to the rest of our podcasts, and enjoy your night. It's mostly just Rob that has the rest of his podcasts, isn't it? <laughs> no, the rest of like the These episodes of podcasts. our podcast. Yeah, oh, this podcast. Okay, yeah. yeah I guess you should do that. Don't stab your ears out or anything, no matter how bad this episode is, because we need you to suffer next week as well. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Kat. Okay, goodbye, listeners. Kidnap me again. Huh?